I'm losing my grip, Greg. You're losing your grip. That's you, factual. I'm, is I'm, it? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm man. done. It's just like <laughs> slipping away. There's just too much confusion. Oh, no. I can't get no. It, re- it had to happen. <laughs> is he on a watchtower? Is that? Might be. I don't know. Could be. That He's leg, though. It. <laughs> Look at that leg. That leg is. I mean, Gil Kane's known for his faces. That leg has a face. That leg. I mean, look at those calf muscles. I know. It's almost like, I mean, it's it's kind of alluring in a way. Well, he's got a giant calves and Nightwing's ass. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that's what we see off the building. The goblin has none of those things. I Spider-Man's like he has he, he's got like also um, some I I can't. I can't describe what it, I didn't know his fingers were that strong. Well, I didn't know his fingers slid down stuff. I thought he stuck to stuff. I thought that was the whole point of being Spider-Man. I thought so, too. But, you know, I mean, the goblin must have done something with his magic gas. Something. It's the goblin's power. You know, I've been listening to a podcast about MK Ultra. Yeah. And I'm thinking that the goblin was getting his magic gas from the CIA. Oh, <laughs> So the MK Ultra program, they were selling him a lot. I mean, clearly he's on a lot of LSD, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, he has to be. So MK <laughs> Ultra, that's right. CIA, little giving Norman Osborn the, yeah. the acid. He takes a little acid and then dresses up like a goblin and flies around on a glider. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> I would shout out the podcast that I heard that on, but I don't want to because I don't like them. Fair enough. Just listen but to I it occasionally like because it's it's interesting. No, no, I, I actually like their podcast. I just don't like them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't that mean? <laughs> That's it's fair. I mean, yeah, like I don't want to advertise for them, but I like the content they talk about. I, I've had I've listened to some podcasts where I'm like the the content was really good and interesting to me, but I for some reason there's something about the the overall whatever that I'm like. How did I how did I end up at this rabbit hole that I went down to find this podcast that had this thing that I wanted to learn about, but I don't like this right here. And I had to take a shower to cleanse my. <laughs> well, on that note, taking a yeah. shower to cleanse yourself, right? Yeah. You might need to take a shower if you were exposed to all the drugs in the last three issues. I know, right? Just to, to ke- wash like, them away. Oh, my gosh, dude. Just talk about yeah like you need a you need a kiddie pool and a fire hose to just like rinse yourself clean because that's like the kind of thing like this is there's been a lot of drug use and a lot of um drug stuff going on here with spider-man and all the all the folks in this in this uh little arc and it's it's i've seen that kind of thing happen where they had to hose people down (laughs) they might have to hose people down and and historically though i don't think Stan Lee was trying to hose this comic down. Nope, no pun intended. The looking at this, it's very interesting. So as we get into issue 98, one more issue without the comics code. So we mm-hmm. just have the, the Spidey symbol, Marvel Comics group. No comics code up in the corner. I kind of like it that way because the yeah. Amazing Spider-Man logo gets to extend out further on the page. Yeah. And, you know, it does that half circle thing at the top. And we've got this piece here. Where I think it's time, before we get into the story a little bit, I do want to contrast this back to the Green Lantern, Green Arrow books we covered. Okay. And, and the approach Marvel took. And we'll, then we'll get into the story, because, of course, I'm dying to find out 
how Mary Jane's going to enact, interact with everybody. I really want to know about Harry and his drug addiction and see if the hospital actually help him. I want to see if Spider-Man's going to get away from the Green Goblin. I want to see if Norman's going to wake up and actually go back to being normal Norman. I want yeah. to know if Peter Parker's going to get his job back. I want to know if he's going to have any money. I even need to know if he's going to have a place to live. And I need to know those things. But before I can find out these things, yeah. what I want to say is this. Okay. After looking at the books and thinking about them, and I'm uh, stealing a little bit from the uh, comic book, American Comic Book Chronicles, uh, 1970 to 1979, a little bit back to that source. But something I don't think most of the sources have discussed in great detail, DC put their drug issues in a book nobody was buying. Yeah. Marvel does their drug issues and Funky Flashman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> puts the man. biggest Spider-Man villain in the core story. So do you think Stan Lee was worried about losing sales by not having the code? And I, I think the answer is clearly yes, because he puts the Green Goblin against Spider-Man in these three issues. Yes. So in as much as we have this sort of altruistic nature, hey, we're going to do a story about drugs. We're going to break the code. This is wrong. We shouldn't do this. Eh, sure, Stan. But you put the biggest baddie that Spider-Man fights in the story. True. And if a kid's walking by the newsstand and sees the Green Goblin fighting Spider-Man, not they're not going to be looking for the comics code. They're going to go, no. Mom, Dad, I want the Green Goblin story. Right. Because they see the Green Goblin and they're like, oh, I want the Goblin. So this whole altruistic, hey, I'm doing this thing to expose, you know, to let people know about drugs and to tackle a major issue in society and all of that. Yeah, but even by the third issue of the story, there's nothing about drugs on this cover. No, it's the goblin's power. Spider-Man's losing his grip and we've got an all out fight between Spider-Man and the goblin. Yeah, it's a cool cover. It is a super cool cover. Except I do not get why Spider-Man is sliding down the building, but I think we're going to find out because I oh. bet it was the magic gases. Totally. It had to be. A look at the emissions coming out of the back of the goblins. Oh, his glider? Oh, his glider. Yeah. What are you going to call it? Is his, 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 his standy thing? <laughs> no, it's coming out of his ass maybe, but oh. you know, that's where he keeps his purse. So yeah, that's he keeps his goblin bag. Yeah. His, his bag of magic LSD tricks. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we're on to the first page and we have the same crew as last issue. We've got Stan Lee writing, Gil Kane penciling, Frank Giacoia, and I'm going to mess up the name every single time. The inker that we found out had actually done a lot of stuff, but we had never heard of. But we do. Oh, we do have a change. Artie Simex on letters. They do seem to go through letters very quickly in this book. It's a new letter or every book. Yes. And we get the first page and we've got nothing about drugs again. No, though. Harry's in trouble. So we do know about that. So Harry's Harry's not to the hospital yet. Harry's in the apartment. And here comes the goblin. Oh, man. And we get the dramatic just as Peter Parker is about to summon the doctor to aid his sick friend, Harry Osborne disaster strikes in the person (gasps) of Harry's father, the dreaded green goblin danger and drama such as you have seldom seen, or to paraphrase the immortal bard, a tale of fury and fantasy told by a master of signify and signifying everything. What? I don't remember that. Funky Flashman. Anyway, (laughs) I mean, it's paraphrasing. Sure. And we get some drama already. 
here comes the goblin, but Peter is worried. He's like, I'm scared. He's worried about what's going to happen to Harry. The goblin bursts through a window. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't even have to, to do anything to you. Uh-huh. He's a new weapon that will nullify his power. Oh, okay. That's probably always flying off buildings. But he's there holding Harry Osborne in the Supergirl pose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except way before the Supergirl pose happened. Uh, for for um, people that don't know, this is they, they'd be like, is that the, the She-Hulk cradle? <laughs> is that the She-Hulk thing? <laughs> <laughs> the She-Hulk cradle? I, I, I would be referring to the crisis on Infinite Earths cover when Supergirl yeah. died. <laughs> yes, I, I know. I know. Well, anyway, he's saying this isn't a trick and Harry's hurt. And the goblin's freaking out. He's like, that boy <gasps> in the in your arms. I, I think I know that guy. Ah, got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. What is the amount of acid you have to take to forget your own son? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can imagine it. It varies from person to person. I'm, I'm pretty sure his tolerance is. I mean, he's been taking it for a while, I'm sure. So. But it clearly drives him off the edge. He really needs to stay away from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's no good for the goblin. No I mean, this has got to be what this is a reference to, right? Am I crazy? Maybe. I mean, anything to, I mean, what else would drive somebody to, to get into some some cool threads? and? <laughs> well, costume? all I do have to say is that glider is a major polluter. It it, it doesn't pass California emission standards. So now, I'm glad it's in New York. I'll bet you, I'll bet you if this, if the goblin was around today, totally electric, quiet as could be. Yeah, that thing's got to be loud. I, oh, I think yeah. that's part of it. But that's part of the appeal, isn't it? Like that yeah. thing comes roaring up and you're scared. Just imagine, though, if it was like super quiet, electric, like a like a Segway scooter. <laughs> Just like that would almost be creepy. Like you'd startle people to death. I, I would be scared. I, I I was walking down the street and somebody like rolled up on like a electric scooter. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Well, on the next page, Gil Kane channels like the 1940s, and we've got an ambulance driving, an ambulance from the 1940s coming. Oh, I thought that was the Ghostbusters. (laughs) I ain't afraid of no ghosts. That's right. They're in New York. I ain't afraid of no goblins. I ain't afraid of no goblins. (laughs) So they're coming to bust goblins. Well, he gets his friend to the hospital, and now Peter is bemoaning everything in life again. Oh, no. Oh, oh, and, and then he blames Mary Jane. All her fault. Oh, wait, no, now it's now it's Harry's fault. He was too weak to cope with rejection. Yeah, wait, but loving a girl can drive a guy bananas. So it's the girl's fault now. Oh, Oh, he's trying to get Gwen off his mind again. Oh, goodness. And then you see Gwen. I thought being an ocean away would give me a new outlook, but it doesn't matter. I still miss Peter as much as ever. (gasps) So we finally get Gwen's view and she's crying and. She's she's taken off. Well, we get a view from a window, but we get a whole commentary. Yes. And she says a boy doesn't want to feel pressured, doesn't want to feel trapped by a girl. Maybe I pushed too hard. Maybe I scared him away. I was a fool to run off the way I did. And we got drama. We've got crying girls. Is this a romance comic? What is happening here? Yeah, feels like it. Why didn't they just put that big crying crying Gwen on the cover? I mean, you're not, I mean, you're going to get some of the readers, but not all the readers. That's fair. You know, so, you put the goblin on the cover, you're going to get all the readers. That's fair. Funky Flashman knew his business. He knew his business. Well, now he's looking around trying to find Mary Jane, which is funny because he's finding Mary Jane while walking by drug dealers. 
Uh, But he finds the drug dealer and he's like, you're the creep who sold him those pills. I'm not sure how he knew that. Did he see him when they interacted last time? I think so. Maybe I thought Harry went around the corner and talked to this guy. I think he went around the corner, but I think Peter did see them taken off together. Yeah. Define this guy who sold the pills. So he's like dying his hair blonde Mm -hmm. or is he dying his mustache black? You know, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he's dying his hair blonde. Okay, I mean, his suit is fantastic, but that orange turtleneck with it is a bad look. Is it, though? I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of thinking I might, you know, be into it. Give me your Halloween costume. Dye my hair blonde, grow out my mustache again. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're spoiling it, too. If I release all these episodes in the right cadence, uh, this one will appear right after Halloween. So everyone will know what I was. They already know what you were, but I I could always put it out before Halloween. But but right now, yeah. And so a little bit after Halloween. So you're not going to we're going to know what Greg dressed up as, but you're not going to really know what Greg dressed up as through the magic of podcast radio. It's not like we have pictures unless you we put a picture up of this well, guy. We, we also don't exactly know yet, but you know how you can find out what Greg how? wears on Halloween. Well, Go you can look up the Retro Emporium. Oh, yeah. In Kent, Washington on Facebook. Or, or on Instagram or Instagram. I and I believe it. it's Retro Emporium Kent. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's I, how you can know. But yeah. back to the story. That's all the advertising you get today. That, that's fine. Fair enough. But or- back to the story. <laughs> so uh, creepy, creepy black mustache, twirling mustache drug dealer calls in his friends and they're like, this guy thinks he's a hero. And they all bring him around the corner. And of course, Peter beats the snot out of all of them. And then uh, drug dealer, of course, pulls out a gun because that's how we solve problems. Uh, that doesn't work either. And Peter beats him up and Peter stands over him. And yay, we get two pages of Peter Parker beating up drug dealers. Without his costume. Okay, cool. I like it. Straight up just handed them a beat down. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Solid. I can see him being so mad about this that he would just yeah. pummel the drug dealers. He be like. You guys messed my friend up. <laughs> it's go time. And he even says on page nine, uh, even though I tried to hold myself back, they still may get suspicious, but let them. None of them can prove anything. And I wouldn't have missed that little session no matter what. So he's yeah. pretty far out of himself. But he didn't really like help solve the problem. He just beat up the drug dealers. And they should be back there tomorrow. <laughs> they'll be. Yeah, they'll be. They'll, they'll dust themselves off and sell the dust again. Wait. Yeah. Or the, the sheets. Or the pills. So, well, I think, what was Harry on? Harry was on uppers, right? I think. Or yeah. was he on downers? Or was uh, he on both? You know, he was on both, I think. He was taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He was on Sometimes, the ludes. Yeah, he needed this. He needed that. All right. Well, now we're back into the newspaper office and Ben and Jonah are talking and he wants to run a story and Jay Jonah's like, this kid's father is one of the biggest advertisers. He's not going to like us printing the story. And Ben Riley, Ben Riley, right? I always mess it up. Yeah. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that, Jonah. You never squashed a story before because it might lose some ads. And Jonah's like, simmer down. I'm not doing it now either. I just want to talk. That's all. How will you run the story? What angle will you use? Ben says, I'm showing the drugs aren't just a ghetto hang up. They hit the rich, same as the poor. I've got it all figured out. It's everyone's problem. We've all got to face it. Well, don't just stand there, man. I want it in the next edition. So the newspaper's now on board. We are, and I, I do like this 
approach in the sense that I do appreciate them taking a stand that this is a not a race issue. Yeah, it's everybody's or or even a class. Yeah, it's not a race or a class issue. It's it's everybody's thing, right? Right. And especially when you have, I mean, what we know now, right? Like, it's interesting. Again, it's, they didn't know these things. But when you have the CIA literally selling acid to people, being basically the sole supplier of acid, and when you have the federal government releasing crack into the city, right, and cocaine Mm -hmm. um, to addict African Americans, when you look at the drug penalties for crack versus uh, coke, you know, powder cocaine, right? And what that mm-hmm. did to families in the inner cities and splitting people and putting them in jail for inordinate amounts of time for far less drugs, specifically targeting African Americans. I, we know that historically now. I can't say the comic was necessarily immune to siding with the government, right? The same mm-hmm. as we as the Green Lantern, Green Arrow comics. But what I can say here is at least they're trying to make this a cross societal problem and separate race from the issue, right? They, I mean, they bring yeah. up race, but then they challenge that notion and they run with the story that it's not race. So even J. Jonah Jameson doesn't want to make this a racial issue, right? Mm-hmm. They want to make this an everybody issue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that for now. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, okay, Dan, you can no. be good with it. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> I'm tracking. Well, now we've got Spidey back or well, we don't have Spidey back. We have Peter walking through the city. And of course, he's thinking about the goblin being on the prowl again. So he has to go change into costume so he can get ready for the final showdown. The final showdown. And we're good. And he said, I've got to face him. There's too much at stake to chicken out now. Doesn't want to lose his secret identity. No. And poor Harry. You know, he's his best friend's father. We got a lot of drama going on. Oh, totally. And now... Uh, he's ready and he says, I feel like an inmate saying the outside world is mad nuts. I better tend to business before. And he says, it's him. It's the goblin. And he <gasps> tries to jump onto a building and it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. And then a glue bomb gets thrown at him, uh, but then he does stick to a building. So I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe I do he... think it's ironic that the goblin uses a glue bomb against Spider-Man who likes I mean... to glue people with his webs. Maybe it's because, you know, like it's, you know, they, you put, uh, you put flypaper down to, to catch all bugs, right? That's <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Um, that's good. Yeah. That's what the, the ortho man does. <laughs> well, we get some pretty fantastic scenes here. Fighting scenes. Spidey oh, yeah. is diving everywhere, trying to dodge the goblin. Messing up another building here and there. Goblins talking a crap ton of smack. Like, even oh. your webbing is useless against me. <laughs> I'm the goblin. Oh. Uh, he strikes him around. He hits hits Spidey in the face. Spidey sliding down a building. Okay, that's where that scene's coming from now. He's kind of sliding down the building, but he is sticking to the building. So, And then the goblin gets him right where he wants him. He says, ha, now before you can recover, I've got you right where I want you. Because, you know, he has to announce everything, even back to his original appearances. So. It's a goblin. That's what he does. does. Yeah. It's like he's got his own like scripted monologue running in his in his head. You know, he's like, I got to get it all out. Yep. And now he gets it. He's got him. Uh, The magic gas comes from the goblin. (gasps) No. And he's like, is that a secret weapon? He's like, "Uh oh, something's happened to me. Ah, here's where the cover of games from. He can't stick to walls. And Spidey's just bouncing through things. And now his web shooters are empty. Do you uh, notice his web shooters are always empty when something happens like this? Right? Man, it's you almost think like you he should have a, have a backup somewhere. I, 
I was just thinking that like in his feet or something. And he says, I'm out of web fluid. I can't stick to walls anymore. And facing a murderous madman who's out to destroy me. Well, anyone can be a hero with the odds in his favor. Okay. So Spidey's still game to fight. Yeah. He finds one of those flagpoles I talked about in the last. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just they're just always there. It's like everywhere. (laughs) And and they're strong flagpoles, right? The strongest flagpoles I've ever seen. Yep. They hold the weight of a human of a of a grown man. I mean, I just put up a pull up bar in my garage like it's, you know, I had to grill it, drill it into the whatever (laughs) not rafters. But (laughs) yeah, I guess it was the rafters technically. So sure. Yeah, it holds me pretty well. And I'm I'm much fatter than Spider-Man. So (laughs) and there he goes. He's still fighting on without the webbing. Oh, and now he's okay. Now he's going to go for the triangle again. Okay, so. He ambushes the goblins flying around a little cocky because he knows he got Spider-Man with this stuff. Aha! Uh-huh. And he's like, Parker, where are you? And then Peter jumps right down on him or Spidey jumps right down on him. And he does. He gets a, that leg around a technique. Um, still not great. Um, I, I'm not sure what this crisscross applesauce thing is going on around his neck. Uh, I feel like you might want to get the leg under the chin and maybe choke him out. But he has better plans. I think he's just putting all that weight on him to throw him off balance. And then he's going to, you know, hit him with a finishing move. He's going to bring those hands down and cup his his goblin ears. Well, he does uh, steer him toward the hospital room where he conveniently knows. And and this is I mean, not that this is a flaw in Stanley's storytelling. I mean, I wouldn't want to get a no prize today. (laughs) But I would ask if I was writing, if I was alive when this Mm -hmm. comic was written and I was old enough to write letters. I may have written Marvel comics and asked when Peter knew found out what room Harry was in at the hospital. Ah, because I believe the last time we saw Harry, he was going off in the Ghostbusters ambulance. Yeah. How did, how did Peter know? How did he know? Like, how did he even know what hospital he was at? Did they call him on his cell phone? I I don't know, but he knew he didn't have a cell phone. And so now the goblin is staring right there at his son. I know what Funky Flashman would have said. Out. You want to know? What would he have said? You win a no prize? That's what he, he would have well, said. Well, he would have said that, but then he would have followed up with, he used his spider senses. <laughs> his, his, his spider senses. He uses spider senses to magically know everything. Yeah, duh. Well, it's working. Um, the goblin's got Spidey on his back and he starts to cry. And he says, Harry, my son, what is it? What's wrong? It's your father. Don't you know me, Harry? Say something. Nothing must happen to my boy. So he slipped out of his uh, LSD induced trance Mm -hmm. and he faints. So if moral of the story, yeah, if you're Norman and you're on drugs, you become the Green Goblin and then you pass out. If you're Harry and you're on drugs, you throw your friend out of your apartment and then pass out. Yes. And then off panel, (laughs) Peter Parker manages to strip Norman of his clothes, burn them and take him home. Yeah, that's some Dexter level shit right there. (laughs) It kind of is. You know, I made it through 27 minutes this podcast without cussing. And then I cussed on Dexter level shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'll put the explicit tag back on this episode again. Well, he's burned the costume when he awakens. He'll think it was just a bad dream if he remembers it at all. Anyway, caring for Harry will keep him busy. 
too busy to dwell on his past. So we solved the problem again. I don't know if we've really solved the problem is the Green Goblin will come back again, right? Right. I think. I mean, it's inevitable. Well, (laughs) he says, Spidey says, so my identity is safe once more, at least for a while. And he's not thinking this. He's saying it out loud. I'm not sure who he's talking to, but cool. Pigeons. And he takes his mask off and he says, now all that remains is to hope that poor Harry will will be all right. Do you think that Gil Kane just took his mask off all the time because he wanted to draw his face? I think so. I mean, okay, you're you're a great artist that can draw amazing faces. And you're a majority of your facial drawings of this of this character are with a mask and you get pie plate Peter Parker. Yeah, that's fair. Well, or, you know, let's birthday be... plate <laughs> Peter Parker, or yeah. you, or or you could take off his mask and have him run around the city maskless, whooping on bad guys, and you know, doing all these great expressions as Peter Parker. I, well, I it's would... very cool that he changed his out of his costume because he's walking down the street as Peter Parker, and lo and behold, there's Gwen Stacy. No way, she's back. She's back, and they like, run they to did. each other and they embrace. And we get to final. And now before we eagerly count the days till next issue, we just want to ask you one little question. Who says we never give Spidey a happy ending? Oh, I believe that can be interpreted many ways. <laughs> uh, if only they knew what happens just a off panel a few years later. Oh, I. <laughs> Oh, man, <laughs> you went there. I See, I was just giving Spidey a nice romantic night with his girlfriend. And this time you go for killing. Hey, man. I mean, I had for the longest time the, the, funerals, the funeral scene hung up in the house just because. That's fair. I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> Do you know what happens two issues from now, by the way? Uh, what happens two issues from now? Morbius. Is it Morbin time? Apparently. Oh, man. I'm just looking through some of these, like pulling up some covers. Yeah, I didn't, you know, because I haven't read these, right? I didn't know (laughs) Morbius. I didn't know Morbius was that old. I thought he would have been later in the 70s. he's been around for quite some time. Yeah, I just thought maybe later in the 70s with the vampire stuff, like I Vampire and stuff like that. But, you know, cool. No, vampires are cool, man. Why not put a vampire in, you know, like in this book? I don't know that I'm the biggest Morbius fan, so. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If you're not, you will be. There's this movie. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think you're helping. I am, though, Dan. And you could watch it right now. Well, I have a trivia question for you. Okay. What was the first motion picture released by Marvel? The first motion picture released by Marvel. And if you don't get this, you lose all of your credibility forever. Let me rephrase that. The first motion picture released for theatrical release by Marvel. I'm not counting like a Spider-Man TV movie or something like that. Or an Incredible Hulk movie. Right. Like something in the theater. Blade? Uh, No. And thus you lose all of your credibility. The answer is Howard the Duck. Oh, Oh, okay. Well, man. Your favorite character. I know. And I, so I was, I was sitting there thinking like when I, as I said it, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I literally just watched the trailer yesterday and now I feel really stupid. Well, just saying, but we're done with Spidey. So what do you think of the three drug issues? 
I thought they were really good. I thought they they uh, they brought a lot of stuff to light. I think that their way of telling a drug story in the comic is obviously, I mean, it's very different than uh, what we've seen with other comic book publishers and the way they've done it or, you know, brought it out. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I think of the stories we covered so far, right? So we had the we had the Denny O'Neill written story with the Neil Adams art where they bring in a character and it it feels like it was an intentional story like built in, right? It doesn't feel like it's part of the normal flow of the book, right? It feels like they went out of their way to write a story. Right. They but they were doing that with all their stories at the time, right? They were picking the social issue of the of the month and then writing a story about it, right? So that was their style, but yeah. it doesn't I wouldn't say it flows well, like through the narrative of the story, right? Just all of a sudden drugs show up in, uh, they're not in New York. Are they, are they in, are they in, they're not in star city. Uh, They're not in coast city. Are they in New York? I think they are. Okay. And then we get, uh, the Neil at, or we get the Jim shooter story, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's in the future and it's very forced, right? He claims it's the first drug issue, but it's, it's very forced, right? Like, Timberwolf just shows up and some all out of the blue, somebody traps him and gets him addicted to drugs <laughs> as a plot device. Right. It, but it doesn't he, flow as part of a normal story. I mean, it's a nice little standalone Legion story, but, but you've got to also take a look at the two different. I mean, if you're comparing those two stories from the creators that created those stories and their storytelling background, you've got, and, and basing it off their, their writing experience and their, their experiences. Right. You got Shooter, who's still a kid, writing a story, and they're going to write a story, like you said, based off of his own experiences, loosely right, in Pittsburgh, yeah, and put it into a, and, and write it in a way that I would say a teenage kid telling a story is going to just give you the bump, 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 and it and it's it, it gets it from point A to point Z and gives you a nice story. And wraps it all up in a really, you know, uh, crystal through line. But at the same point, it is very, um, I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's not ham fisted, but there are, there are moments where you're like, what? <laughs> it's a little f- ham fisted. <laughs> it, it, but, but, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, if, if I was writing a story like this, when I was, when I was that young, uh, you know, in my, later teens, early twenties coming up with a story. I would write something kind of like that too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to criticize Jim shooter. I mean, after what he did to the creators that worked with for him and Valiant, you know, I mean, it's really okay to criticize him. Like you don't have to hold back. (laughs) It's not like the man's had a perfectly, a perfect career where he's always been on the level and, and never (laughs) talked shit about other people (laughs) or cheated them out of money. Right. Like, yeah, you know, so I, I mean, but Jim Shooter also, you know, deserves his place in comics as a great as a you know great creator, including yeah. editor in chief of Marvel Comics, right? So you know, there's there's place for Shooter, and I don't, I mean, maybe he's right. I'm sure if we go back, you know, is it the first postcode com a drug story? Maybe, maybe I haven't seen other ones to to pull out there. So you know, if one of yeah. the readers wants to pull one out readers i say listeners wants to pull one out if our one listener wants to share one with us hey we'll review it yeah we'll check so it out why not uh, uh with this i think 
I think that, and then Denny O'Neill was, was younger as well at the time, right. Mm -hmm. And still writing a lot of, of social issues into his stories. Um, and working with, with Neil Adams, who, you know, you look at Neil Adams career as eccentric as he may have been with some of the space alien stuff later, Mm -hmm. the, but at the time, you know, wanting to draw those issues, right. And, and obviously his support for creator rights and his advocacy. So you have two young creators who are advocates for something. I think what Stan Lee does with these stories, uh, to his credit, even though I've been joking about Funky Flashman a little bit, Stan Lee has always said that New York is a character in the Spider-Man stories. And it very much is a character. I mean, throughout, I mean, we see that in each one of these issues. If if it weren't for the city and the different things that make the city what it is, Spider-Man and the Green Goblin and all the different things that happen uh, that make the story what it is wouldn't it it wouldn't be as um, fantastic wouldn't be yeah. as amazing. Well, and even reflections of the city at the time, right? Mm-hmm. If you go back to the Velvet Underground's heroine, yeah, right in the story in in the song, Lou Reed. I forget the the exact where lyrics are, but Lou Reed basically says, "You need to get out of the city to get away from this." Mm-hmm as he's singing his ode to heroin, right. For the velvet underground. So, you know, you think about what was happening at the time, what was happening in the cities and the commentary on the cities. Didn't, you didn't think I was going to pull velvet underground reference no. out of this one. Did you? No, no. But, I mean, and, and it's, it, well, I mean, but it fits, you got, you got that. I mean, you got stuff that, I mean, you even have like, you go, you got the velvet underground, you got CBGBs and all the, all the, um, uh, proto punk punk, and everything that's going on in those, in those scenes at this time, uh, Gigi Allen, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on in the city and people getting into a lot of stuff. And critical of the city scene, in fact, like this desire to get away from it, but but being trapped in it. Right. I mean, yeah. and I, w- I would say, I mean, through obviously uh, Lou re- releases, releases Perfect Day later as well. Right. But mm-hmm. when you when you look at the songs. And how they interact with the city. It's almost like, hey, I reject the city, but I embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I give in and I give in to what's there. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I feel like the city does give and take away from Spidey in this story, right? And, and even in how he interacts with the goblin, um, when the goblin removes his powers, all of a sudden the city becomes almost a nemesis in the sense like yeah. he can't stick to buildings. But then he it's his city, so he figures it out. He knows exactly where the flagpole is, right? He knows exactly how to get him to the hospital. He knows how to maneuver the city. And Spider-Man, you know, drugs in the city are part of the story. But Spider-Man also uses the city of New York to beat the goblin mm-hmm. because he knows all the landmarks. And right. the goblin in his crazed state doesn't. And so even though I think I get my nose, no prize for not knowing what room Harry's in, uh, yeah. the, the story is Spidey is able to maneuver the city and, and bring things in. And how and does I think he that's do the, it? Because yeah. he has Spidey senses. So a little different than Green Arrow walking down the street and tripping over something and, and being lost in a gutter. Though yeah. I think both the stories have, they both have the right effect, right? It's just yeah. different. They're just different, right? Definitely. I, I love both. Yeah, no, I mean, they're both, they're, they're both very good stories. I like, um, it is interesting too. I mean, they, the, when you put them against each other in that sense, you've got both heroes, uh, getting worked over by things that they shouldn't be and getting hurt, damaged 
and, uh, you know, just like taking down a peg a little bit and watching them get to a point. I mean, more so in, in the green arrow story where he's kind of like demoralized in a sense, uh, through most of it, you know, he gets shot. He's, he's worked over. He, his anchor gets, uh, gets the most of him. He doesn't know how to deal with certain things. Um, when he's trying to deal with speedy and he doesn't have a good grip on those things. And with Peter, uh, when he loses his abilities, he's, and he's also fraught with my best friend is going through this. His dad is going through this. He's torn. He's also trying to still be a regular person. He's, he's, you know, he's, his heart hurts. He's heartbroken. And then he's got whatever's going on with, with MJ on the side. That's not really, it's like, he wants nothing to do with it, but it's, you know, what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And I think also in the story too, the voice of reason is Ben Riley, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Definitely. Is, is the conscious of the story. And I kind of joked about that with the visage, right? Questioning, you know, naming that the way Ben is drawn and naming him Ben, right? Like, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think one of the differences in the story is even though you have a white creator doing the dialogue, um, between the two stories too, you have the white superheroes trying to save everybody else and be mm-hmm. the saviors of the city over in Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Yeah. And, and they, they point out race throughout the issue, but you know, it's these two white saviors, right? Yeah. Um, in the sense you could argue that Spidey's the white savior, but that doesn't really how it happens in this story, right? It's Ben having the courage to pu- push and publish the story against the white publisher that this is an everybody problem and to uh, decouple it from being a racial problem, right? He wants to, to uncouple it and point out that this is an issue everybody should be dealing with, right? To, yeah. to f- push it in the face. And was it the first issue uh, where Norman, yeah, the very first, it was 96, oh, where with the, with they the were f- confronting Norman with it as well. Mm-hmm. And where he, he gets all like his heckles up because he's like, I, you don't, you know, don't talk to me about this. I, I don't talk I to me yeah. for my money. And it's like, it's not about that. It's about what you do with your money or you're not doing with your money. So still acknowledging white creators, but in the sense to this seems much more reflexive of the city. And it seems like the right people are arguing for things in this mm-hmm. one, as opposed to the other book where maybe not the right people are the heroes. Yeah, but I think. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm nitpicking now. No, no, it's OK. I mean, like, that's that's what we do here. We're we're dissecting it. We're taking it apart uh, as we start to delve into it and take it, take a, 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 a look underneath that layer. Uh, somebody else that's never read these things, they might go and take a look at it and they might go, Oh, wow. And it, it, it's one of those, those situations too. It's like, well, would, would these, how would these comics? And I mean, it's more of a question, more of like a, um, you know, it's not like a question that needs to be answered. Right. How would these comics be done with today's take and situations? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I, I don't know that we can have this comic today. I, I don't think we could have the Green Arrow and Green Lantern comic at all. Well, that one for sure, right? It would be a complete written a completely different way. Yeah, and I mean even even all the way to the end because there's so much that happens um, all the way through that it's there's there's a lot of stuff that happens that's just not that doesn't sit right um, in today's world. 
But I mean, with this, with this, I think, I think the Spider-Man story is grounded enough and has enough, uh, uh, voice in the right places. I yeah. think, I think there would, I, there would have to be, um, I'm sure maybe a different, there, there would have to be different diversity takes and stuff like that on, uh, on the staff, but to get everything to, to, to fit the right way. But I think it's, I mean, this, this story would hold up better than the green lantern, green arrow story for sure. Now the, uh, shooter story on the other hand, that one's solid. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That that came out of nowhere. I know. Right. You're like, huh? And I'm like, it, it, it just would. It just would, it would, it would, it still stands solid, solid. Well, I don't know if you're ready. I, I don't know if you're ready for what's next. What's next? I don't think you are. I I don't know. Uh, Well, you see, things have changed in the world. Yeah. And it's time for us to embrace Nancy Reagan. Um, <laughs> are we talking Nancy Reagan that we grew up with or Nancy Reagan of the 40s? I'm talking the Nancy Reagan we grew up with. Uh the Nancy Reagan of the 40s is much more fun. Yeah. I, I mean um, just what I understand from history and all. But yeah. Well, we have an issue. So uh, the Teen Does Titans the were the Teen Titans were the best-selling comic book in for DC in the early '80s. Marv uh-huh. Wolfman and George Perez come over to DC Comics to recreate the X-Men, basically in DC Comics. Yeah, and of course, in cooperation with the President's Drug Awareness Campaign, oh, we God. get an issue. Of Can the we Teen just say Titans. no to this one? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Oh, did I get the nope award? Yep, you, you you did. And we're going to cover it. An issue so important that they don't even let Nightwing in the book. Wow. Or Robin. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Neither? Yeah, I believe it's still the Robin era because I see a kid flash in the background. Mm-hmm. So it was 1983. And yeah, um, there were a, a, a couple of these released. Was it because his costume was too spicy? Um, maybe the 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 ass. Yeah. Couldn't fight drugs. Couldn't fight drugs. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, technically come from an acrobat family. Always high. I don't know if I can handle reading all three of these. No, um, we're going to do it now. Now that you've, you're going to make me do it. We're going to do all of them. I think. Probably I was I'm trying to see I if asked if we could say no. You said no, we have I, to read I it. Think, I, th- I don't we're think they're all, all different. So I don't think we have to read all no, three we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Well, if they're the same book, I'm not reading it twice. Uh, but anyway, we're definitely reading the Keebler one for sure. OK, because there's nothing better than Keebler Company presents DC's The New Teen Titans. And oh guess who's on the cover? Our friend Speedy is back. <laughs> Hey, he's back. Does he and bring treats for everybody? Oof. I, I I hope not because I don't think Nancy Reagan would have signed off on those. Yeah, probably not. 
So, yeah, that's that's what we'll be into next is we'll be into some 80s drug issues. And these are going to take a bit of a different tone. OK, interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And knowing history as we do, I don't know how I feel about this tone. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So we will see. And I really don't know who this guy in the purple costume with the star on the front is that is leading the team. He only leads them for like two pages until he's killed by a drug lord. <laughs> I think he's a special character they made just to replace Nightwing. Oh, okay. But you know what? We're going to find out. I mean, he's maybe really this Nightwing is a character I should know about. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's called I'm Purple sure Star. I'm sure our research will figure it out. But on that note, we probably shouldn't spoil this because that's okay. what's up next in our continued uh, deep dive into drug issues. We are going to have a comic with Speedy, Starfire, Wonder Girl, Cyborg, Changeling, and Raven. All right. And Magic Star Guy. Magic Star Guy. <laughs> Magic Star I, I, I literally have no idea who this character is. I don't remember. I read this book when I was a child, so I don't the think I've read it since. I just know it's issue. out there. Yeah. <laughs> it was because it was the Keebler Elves present. Well, you know, which is interesting that I even read this book at all. I don't even know where I got it. I know I have it. But see, yeah. we didn't have Keebler cookies at my house. We had like Hydrox or like the, the off-brand cookies. The ones that came from Mega Foods? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Straight up off the weird not lit shopping center that was mega foods <laughs> ours probably came from those like uh the, the bulk food area mega foods you oh my gosh the, the big barrels yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably dip down those nasty stale ass cookies in the big barrels. Do you, okay not to, not to go too off the rails but do you ever remember like how unlit the deli was i swear to god it was unlit for a reason so you didn't know that the meat and the cheese were not right <laughs> until you got it home Oof. Well, I only I only um, say that because like some sometimes where my dad would be like, damn it. <laughs> me- we're going to call this mega memories, <laughs> mega memories. I used to love the love the fact that you could go there and then they saw the, the video rentals all the way through. Like, you know, like, I, I mean, I was still getting videos there after like when I was going to college. After I moved away. Yeah. After you moved away, you moved away. I was. Yeah. Yeah. When earthquakes mega storm. memories. Yeah, mega memories. Well, I'm uh, interested to see these next few issues. Yeah, me too. And I just want to know that this these issues, just trigger warning, were brought to you by the U.S. Customs Service, the Drug <laughs> Enforcement Administration, the Federal <laughs> Bureau of Investigation, the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, the U.S. Department of Education, and, of course, the White House. The people who supplied the drugs. I mean... <laughs> At least Allegedly. one of them. Yeah. The CIA is not on here, so at least that's good. Well, but the agency that smuggled them and the agency that supplied stuff to the inner cities are both on here. So, yeah. Allegedly. There, there's no alleged about it at this <laughs> point anymore. <laughs> it's uh, no longer alleged. These are these I, I are, was always are told that you need to say allegedly. Yeah, no. Um, no. No, the, the New York Times did a good job shutting down those articles in the San Jose Mercury News. Oh, yeah. Or they, should I say the LA Times? My bad. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Had, uh, I mean, b- because the mainstream media is always honest and fair, just like Nancy Reagan was when she told us to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Very honest. Very fair. Maybe she should have gotten Ronnie on some of those Alzheimer's meds a little er- earlier. Too soon. Uh, no. Yeah, probably not. Well, yeah. 
Well, well not too soon. Not but too soon. Uh, I, before you go off into Ronnie and we go on for 10 more minutes, we better end <laughs> this one because we've got plenty of Nancy Is and it Ronnie for Bonzo? coming up. I think it's, I think it's just time. Did Mr. Smith go to Washington? I, I think it's just time. Okay. It's just time. All right. It's just time. Yeah, it's just time. Well, till next so, time. <laughs> yeah. Until next time. <laughs> Greg is great with the outro. Till next time. I'm Dan. And I'm Greg. And this was another episode of Funny Book Forensics.